Good everyone. Welcome here to our midweek service, Bible study at Calvary Baptist Church of Trihern. It's harvest time. Um, thank you also for who, those who fit with us via internet and FM signal here in town. Please open the hymnals on number 175. 175, standing on the promises. <clears throat> Promises of Christ my King, through it till the latest is praises ring. Glory in the highest, all we shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. When the howling storms of doubt and fear are sealed By the living word of God I shall be built Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing Promises of Christ the Lord, unto Him eternally by love strong for overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, Promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in the Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful again that we can have these promises that are sure, the promises that are from Thee, and we can know that if we stand upon them that we are safe. We can know that we have eternal life if we stand on the promise of Thy gift of eternal life, if we turn to Thee in repentance and trust in Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, alone for salvation. 
we have a home in heaven. We're thankful for that promise. We're thankful also that we can know that we can be at peace with thee today. If we're saved, we can know thy peace in our hearts because we can be forgiven when we sin and we can be in right fellowship with thee and we can be blessed in thee. We pray for Ronnie's co-worker who asked him to pray for him. We pray, Father, for this man's salvation that he might see his need to repent, to know thy forgiveness. Pray that he would see the foolishness of thinking that the Bible is not true and not wanting to listen to it that he might rather come and sit and listen to the word of God and be saved so that he could rest in thee and be ready to go whenever his day is, is up. We pray, Father, for Ronnie's boss as well, that he too might see his need to be saved, and for others there, that they might repent and come to know these are God and Savior in these days of grace. We thank thee, Father, for the opportunity of reaching out into many countries. We pray for those in Spain and Italy and in Singapore and elsewhere where they are listening to us in Germany and listening to us and we thank thee for the opportunity to reach into other countries we just pray that we can be a help and a blessing to people that they might rest in the truth and glorify thee we pray for Roger Dion's family pray that they might want to know the truth find comfort in thee in these days of grace pray for Paula and her family as well they might want to know thee, and as we travel to the funeral tomorrow, that we can be a help to them. Pray for safety on the road and mechanical soundness of the vehicle, that we can get there and back safely and be a blessing there and also a blessing to those that we minister to here. So we thank thee, Father, that we can walk with thee and trust thee and pray that thy will be accomplished in our own lives as well as in this country that we might see many people saved in these days of grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And over to uh, 378. 378. Stand up for Jesus. 378 Stand up, stand up for Jesus Ye shoulders of the cross Let high His royal banner It's must that suffer Let courage rise with the 
Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in His strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Neither not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. It's peace put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This need a noise of battle. The next the victor song. To him that overcome it, a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign Over to 467. 467. Since I have been redeemed. 467. Since I have 
Turn to Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read there verses 24 to 29. We'll stand, please, for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 7, beginning there at verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings that people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have thy word. We're thankful that we can read it, thankful that we can pay attention to what is being read, that thy Holy Spirit is working to teach us the truth, to help us to understand what we are reading. And we're thankful, Father, that we don't have to waste our time reading some magazine or some opinion of man, but that we can read thy word, the absolute truth. We pray for each one that is listening today, that each one would be attentive to what thy word says, that we would want thy blessing in our lives and see the importance of truth in our lives, that thy will would be accomplished in these days of grace. We pray for the fires that are burning in different parts of Canada, and we pray for those that have had to leave their homes, some of them unnecessarily, some of them wanting to go back and protect their homes and yet not being allowed to. We pray, Father, that they might understand the importance of thy truth in their own lives. And these material things, while we should be able to look after them and protect them as much as possible, we understand, we need to understand they're all material things. We're not going to keep them. But the soul is what matters. And so we pray for those listening, if there's someone listening that's not saved, that they might see the need to repent towards thee and trust in the blood of thy Son alone to save them. May thy will be accomplished in these days of grace, and may we honor thee here and preach the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
title of the message is Standing on Solid Ground. Now, we've been looking at church history, and we could go into the various different religious groups and talk about them, but we've been covering just general things as to how and what causes a church to fall and what causes a church to stand. And in this text that we have here, no true church can stand if it doesn't build on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's interesting to me how many people are willing to tolerate the blabber of politicians and of lawyers and other people like that who have nothing to say but have lots of words come out of their mouth. I remember a while back trying to help someone to purchase a vehicle. They asked me to assist them in it. They didn't know much about cars, and so they wanted me to go with them. And we went to a couple of dealerships, and uh, they wanted to buy a new car. And so we went to this dealership, and the salesman was there. And as we were interested in a certain price range, and we told the person that, and they wanted to waste a bunch of time on small talk, which we weren't interested in. We weren't there to try to build a friendship with this person by them asking questions that have nothing to do with the purchase of the vehicle. And so because they were hesitating, I don't know why, but they didn't want to seemingly sell a vehicle, so we finally left and went elsewhere and bought a vehicle in that other dealership. But there are a lot of people that they have a lot of time to waste on on nothing. And that's the problem. When people are filling their minds with things that are of no value, and yet they have little time for that which is of importance, that which is of great value. So as we look at these verses again, this is God's word that we have read, and God's word is truth. And we need to pay attention to what God says and honor him. And so the first thing that we want to notice is identifying the truth. And so it says in verse 24, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now as we look at this text, we're going to see two different definitions of the word hear. Hearing has more to do than just the sounds that come into our head. And so in this first part, Jesus is talking to those that hear his sayings, but they do them. That's the first kind of hearing. If, if we hear something, but we don't act upon what we hear, we haven't really heard it. I know that my wife sometimes tells me that she tells me something and I don't hear it. And, and she says, well, I told you that, I told you that, and here's where you were, and this is what I told you. And I know that I've told her things too in the past that sometimes she doesn't hear. And that's, that's something that we have as people, that we sometimes hear things, but they don't register. We don't, we don't uh, put our attention on what we're hearing. And that's something that we need to learn to do, is to hear what other people are saying. We need to take the time to listen to them. And certainly we need to take the time to listen to what God has to say. God has no idle words. The Bible warns us of idle words. Idle words are useless words. It's vain talk. 
It means nothing. It helps nothing. It doesn't build anybody up. It doesn't correct anybody. It's just vain talk. And there's a lot of that in our world. But Christians should not be like that. So whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. So when God tells us something, he expects us to do it. And so he gives an illustration here. He says, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So a wise person is one who understands that if you're going to build a house, you have to have a good foundation. You can build a very nice house, but if you don't put it on a good foundation, it's not going to stand very well. And so the foundation is very important, and the rock we know is Jesus Christ. Jesus here is using an illustration of a house, but he's talking about the person. And so, as an individual, each one of us needs to carefully consider what are we building our lives on. That applies to whether you're a young person here today, or listening via our internet, or whether you're an older person. What are you building your life on? What are you spending your time on? What is important to you? And if you go in your Bibles to Psalm 1, Psalm 1, And God directed the psalmist there to write about a wise person. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which is the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So this is harvest time in Canada. A lot of combines out in the fields. A lot of dust flying in the air. That dust is part of that is chaff. And the chaff, you don't put that in the bin. You don't haul that home. It would fill up the bin very quickly. It would plug up the auger because it's light and fluffy. And yet it it gets in the way of the seed. And so the combine is designed to blow the chaff out the back so that the grain can go up into the auger and into the bin and then into the grain truck and then home into the storage bin. So the, the lost person, it tells us, the ungodly are like the chaff. So there are people listening to me today, they're probably like that. They're, they're listening, but they're not listening. And if I was to ask them after the service, what did I preach on? they probably couldn't answer because they're like the chaff. They're, they're listening, but they're not listening. They're not paying attention. It's not important. And what is important to a person, Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 7 as well, what is important to a person is what's going to come out of their mouth. So whatever your communication is, what your main thrust is in your life, that's what's important to you. 
So the wise man, in back in our text, the wise man, he builds his house upon a rock. So more important than what he's building with is what he's building on. That's important. We have to have a right foundation. So as we learned before the service, a man that is thinks that he's going to come back as something else, he doesn't believe in the Bible... Well, that man is obviously not a wise person. And as we found out this week, a man that we know from our area who took his own life just a few days ago, he also, he had the opportunity, he came to our house and we read scripture with him. And uh, we've had opportunity to speak with him several times about eternity and about the word of God. But he chose in his desperation not to come back and talk to me, but he chose to go out and take his life. What a sad way to end. But that's because he didn't build on a rock. Because the Bible tells us in verse 25, the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. So from that, we understand that in Israel, they have storms. We know that right now there's a hurricane off the coast of Florida. It's supposed to be moving into Georgia and coming up the coast. But this hurricane is bringing in high winds and lots of water. And according to what we're reading here, the nation of Israel, they must have known what a storm is. Jesus used illustrations based on things that the people understood. And so he talks about the rain descending, the floods coming. So they must have had some heavy rains at times. We didn't have that while we were in Israel, but that doesn't mean they don't have it. But it talks about heavy rains because if you have enough rain that causes the water to rise, that means that the rivers and the streams can't take it away fast enough, and so it collects on the ground. And so it tells us the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. So Jesus is telling us here that storms are going to come in our lives. That's inevitable. Your life is not always going to be sweet. It's not always going to be things that you like. There are going to be times when you're going to face things that are adverse to what you like things that are going to cause you to have to shore up your own life. And when those times come, where are you going to run? And it tells us here that because this wise man has built his house upon a rock, when the storms come, his house doesn't fall. It stands. Why does it stand? Well, for it is founded upon a rock. When you build upon the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us we need to be careful how we build upon him. We need to build upon the truth. We need to take the truth. And we've talked about that many times. God's word is truth. You cannot find any errors in the word of God, in spite of the fact that people want to try to do that. There are people who believe in the perversions. I talked with a man not that long ago who believes in the perversions and he got out a paper and tried to show me verses from the King James that were not in the originals and uh, he was obviously listened to liars because yes if you listen to the 
Nestle-Aland text, yes, you're going to find things in that text that are not in the King James Bible. I remember when I was in Bible school, I went to a New Evangelical Bible school, and I took some Greek there, and because of God's mercy and grace, when the instructor was ordering the Greek text for me, he couldn't get a hold of a Nestle-Aland Greek text at that time. There was none in stock. So he got me the, the standard, which is the Textus Receptus, which is the right one. And I didn't know at that time, I didn't know the problems that there were between the Greek texts. I didn't know that. He did. And so as I was learning the Greek and he would have me read from John's Gospel, uh, account of Jesus Christ, I would read from my Greek uh, West, or, uh, received text and he would be following in his Nesalalan text and he would stop me as I was reading and say wait a minute read that again and I would read it to him and he would say hmm that's interesting mine doesn't say that and that was quite often as we read from John's gospel account that he would stop me and say read that again and he was a man who knew the Greek quite well. But he was very careless. <clears throat> he didn't bother to pay attention to the corruption of the text that he was using. And I'm thankful that I received the right text. And I'm thankful that God protected me from believing the lies of those who <clears throat> want to promote the corrupted text. And so I have <clears throat> the true Greek text, whereas many build their lives upon the corrupt Greek text. And that's why when you take and listen to these so-called scholars <clears throat> who want to tell us what it says in the Greek language, and that's how they want to try to further deceive people, and so they will read from their corrupted Nesalalan text and they will say, here's what it says in the Greek. And of course, most people don't know Greek and so they're quite impressed that somebody can actually read something in Greek and they will say, oh wow, this is a really smart man. He can tell me what it says in the originals and therefore it must be right. <clears throat> no thought, no question as to which originals are you talking about? The originals from God or the originals that have been corrupted by ungodly people? And so, again, the wise person builds his life upon the rock. He takes the word of God as the truth. He accepts that as the truth and he builds his life on that. And when the storms of life come, whether that's persecution or whether that's some other pressure that is put upon you, you can stand when you're building upon the rock. And that's the important thing that we see here. The second thing that we see is building upon sand. So in verse 26, Jesus says, And everyone that heareth these words, and these sayings of mine, so notice again, that we got the same phrase there, heareth these sayings of mine. So we got hearing again. But it says beyond that, it says, and doeth them not. So this person comes to church, 
listens to the word of God, maybe even makes notes of the word of God, and then he leaves church and he carries on making his own decisions, going his own way, doesn't bother to consult what the word of God says, doesn't care what the word of God says. He has an agenda, whether young or old, he has an agenda. He's going to go his own way. He's going to do his own thing. And he's going to live that way. Well, this person, Jesus says, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. So the foolish man is the one who going to build his life upon himself or he's going to consult with these so-called scholars I was reading an account you may have heard already that they are now starting to threaten us again that come September they want to try to mandate masks again and they want to try to mandate that everybody needs to get the latest shot that's going to become available for a new variant of the Wuhan virus. So they're already working on that. And so this one uh, state in the United States, the governor of Mississippi, wrote a public statement and said, no, we are not going to follow what the experts, he had it in quotation marks, have to say. Because, you see, we have come through three years of lies. And those who have their ears and eyes open know we were told lies. So we don't have to continue to fall for those lies. We can make up our own minds. We can look around and we can observe. And we can follow the true science. And we can see that these so-called viruses are not anything unusual. It's the shots that are unusual. It's the shots that are the killers, not the virus. And this latest one, I was listening to a little report on it today, the symptoms of this latest virus are a runny nose, a cough, stuffy nose, sore throat, and those kinds of things. Well, what is that? That's a common cold. So they're giving it a different name, trying to raise the level of panic again. Instead of saying, well, make sure you have some Kleenex and when you get your noses running, wipe it and don't wipe it into your hands. Wipe it into a Kleenex so you don't spread the germs. And if you're coughing, cover your mouth so that you're not coughing on everybody else. You know, you need to do some common things that make sense to help to keep yourself healthy and keep others healthy around you. Because when you wipe your runny nose with your hands and then you touch your hymn book in church or you touch the doorknob or you go to the mall and you touch your shopping cart and then later on you're done with your shopping cart and you put it away and someone else comes and touches that cart, your germs are on there and you're spreading whatever you have. And if you are truly conscientious and if you truly love other people, you don't want to hurt other people. You don't want to spread things that are harmful. It's not going to kill you, but why should everybody have a cold just because you have one? So these are common sense type of things, but a lot of people don't have much common sense. But the thing of it is that we need to understand that when we choose not to listen to what God has to say, 
when we choose to build our lives upon ourselves and upon foolish people who are not consulting the word of God, then we're building upon sand. And if you've ever been to the beach and you've seen that when the waves come in, you maybe have, maybe you have built a castle, maybe you took a pail, you packed it full of sand and then you dumped it upside down and you carefully lifted the pail off and you had this, this shaped mound there and you put it close enough so that when the waves come in, they hit that. And you watch as the waves hit that thing, that it erodes it away. And after a few times of the waves coming against it, you can't even see that you put anything there. It's all gone. Maybe in your garden, you're watering, and you, you have seen how that you can wash the sand away from, from something, a plant or whatever. And that's what it is like when the rain descends in verse 27. You notice there that the storms come for the foolish person just as they do for the wise person. So we need to understand that just because we're wise doesn't mean we're going to be protected from storms. We need to understand as well that when we're foolish, we're not going to be protected from storms. Both groups of people will face storms. And when the storm comes in verse 27, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat upon that house... And you notice the description there, verse 25 and 27, it's the same. Talking about violent storms. But in verse 27, it says, it fell. Why did it fall? Well, it says, and great was the fall of it. What's the purpose? What's the reason for the fall? Well, the fall is because this person didn't build upon the rock. He built upon the sand. Now, if you take sand and you look at sand, every kernel of sand is, if you take that kernel of sand, you cannot squeeze that and make it into a smaller kernel with your hands. You'd have to take a hammer. So in a sense, it is a little piece of a rock. But it is just a little piece. And those little pieces of the rock, they don't hold together. Now, even if you took that sand and you decided, well, I'm going to take some sand and I'm going to take some concrete some cement, and I'm going to mix the two together, and then I'm going to have a strong foundation. And you're going to find that it's not going to be a strong foundation. If you have ever looked at a house that is, has a cement block basement, or it has bricks on it, and in between the bricks is mortar. And if you live long enough in a house that has bricks and mortar, over time you have to go back and redo the mortar between the bricks. Why is that? Because the mortar that is used between the bricks doesn't have any big stones in it. It's very fine sand in there because you can't have stones because then you can't lay your brick down level. It's going to rock on that rock instead of laying smooth on the mortar. So it doesn't hold. And if you are going to make a sidewalk with cement and sand, with concrete and sand, it's not going to hold. Because it doesn't have anything big enough there to bind together. And so when you build upon sand and then the storms of life come, you're going to fall apart. 
And that's, like I mentioned, about this man that we talked to a few times, but he decided that life wasn't worth living, and he took his own life. He wasn't building upon truth. He was a Catholic man. He had recently bought an idol of, the, of Mary and had it at this front step of his house. But that's sand as well. Mary can't save anybody. Mary needed a savior herself. And so <clears throat> when a person builds his life upon the sand and then the troubles come, the person will fall apart. It may take a little longer for some people to fall apart than others, but the person will fall apart. And in the end, when you die, you won't stand before the Lord. When the books are opened and Jesus reads out all the times that you heard the gospel and you said, no, I'm not interested. No, there's other things that are more important to me than the gospel. I don't need to be saved today. I can wait for that. I'll think about it some more, or maybe I won't even think about it. Maybe I'm just not interested. If that's how you want to live your life, you will find that when you stand before the Lord at the great white throne, you won't have anything to answer God with. You will be at that great white throne because you built upon sand. You have no stability. You have nothing that's worth anything. And you didn't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why you will end up at that great white throne judgment. So it's very important to stop and consider what is important to you. And we are in the time in which we are living now, we are living in a time of great affluence. You know, it's an interesting thing. We've been traveling lately because of my wife's brother, and it's interesting to notice how many campers there still are on the road. I would have thought that with the price of gas where it is that there'd be less people pulling campers. But there's still quite a few campers going up and down the road, and big ones. They're using a lot of fuel. It costs money to buy that fuel in today's prices. It's not cheap. But yet people still aren't doing that. They're still taking the time to do that. It didn't used to be that way. People, they worked. When you, when you look at the life of Jesus, you look at Jesus during his public ministry, three and a half years that he spent preaching the, the, the gospel, and you find that he traveled all over Israel. But never once did he travel to any resort in Israel to get some rest and relaxation. He went up to a mountain to pray many times. He was on the Sea of Galilee traveling in ship many times. But never once did he go and say, well, I got to get away for a while. And even when the disciples, when they had gone out, Jesus sent them out by two and two. And when they come back and they were talking about what they were able to do, he says, we need to come apart for a little while. But what did they do when they came apart? He taught them. They didn't go and find a mini golf or a swimming hole or something. They, he taught them. The thing that they needed is to come apart from the, the pressures out there that they faced and they needed to be further instructed in the truth. And that's something that we need to understand as well is that we don't need to come apart to just find some place to have it easy and to 
and to goof off. We need to come apart sometimes where we can study the Word of God more intently. That's what we need so that we can be grounded for the challenges of life, that we can be prepared to face the challenges of life. You know, one of the things that we discover as we live is that God doesn't send a note to us and say, tomorrow at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to break your leg and you're not going to be able to walk for three or four months because you broke your leg. And He doesn't tell us that. But tomorrow at 3 o'clock, you might break your leg. You don't know that, and I don't know that either, and I'm not going to predict that you're going to do that. Or your car might break down, or something else might happen. Somebody might come up to you and slander you for your faith in the Lord. Are you prepared to take that? Can you give that person an answer for the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear? Do you know how to conduct yourself in the various challenges that life brings you? Or do you fall apart? Do you get mad? Do you get upset because somebody laughs at you because of what you believe? So you see, we need to be built upon the rock. And there's only one rock that we can build upon, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the sooner you start to build on that rock, the better off you will be. I didn't start to build upon the Lord Jesus Christ until I was 20 years old. That's when I got saved. That's 20 years of my life that I wasted. Where I could have been studying the Bible, where I could have been much more grounded today even than I am right now, if I would have taken the opportunity in those 20 years to listen to what the Bible says, to be saved, and to study the Word of God. And so for those of you that are young right now, you need to listen and you need to pay attention. The time for you to get saved is now. Not when you get older, now. Turn to God and be saved and then start building on the truth. And start talking about things that are important. Start talking about what you read in the Bible and, and how that you noticed something there that you hadn't seen before. And asking questions, what does this mean? What does that mean? That's what Jesus did. When Jesus went to the temple at 12 years old, he sat with the doctors and he discussed the scriptures with them. That was what was important to him. And someone might argue and say, yeah, but he was Jesus. Yeah. But Timothy was saved as a young boy as well. Timothy was saved by his mother and his grandmother's good testimony to him. And so when he met Paul, he was already saved. And so Paul could take him as a young man, and he could instruct him, and he could train him for the ministry. Because Timothy listened to the word of God. It was presented to him faithfully, and he listened to it, and he was saved, and he built his life upon that which is true. So the third thing that we want to notice is that we need a biblical authority. And as we look at, again, as we look at church history, and we take, let's take, for instance, my background as a Mennonite. And, uh, you know, just recently a Mennonite person talked to my wife and said, you know, we can't know for sure if we're going to heaven or not. We can hope, but we can't know. And, and this person said, you know, that 
when we say that we know that we're going to heaven, we're actually quite proud because you can't know that. And so I said to my wife, I said, here, send that person these Bible verses. I said, don't send them the reference. Send them the actual verses because we don't know what kind of Bible they're using. But let's send them the verses and let them read the verses because we can know. The Bible tells us that we can know if we have eternal life or not. We can know that. There are many verses that talk about that. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can know that. We can know that we have everlasting life. 1 John 5, verses 11 to 13 tell us also. We can know. We don't have to be wondering. We don't have to be questioning Am I going to go to heaven? Am I sure I'm going to heaven? We can know because God's word gives us many verses that tell us that we have. John 5, 24. The person who hears the word of God and believes in, in the word of God is passed from death unto life. So we can know these things because they're in the word of God that we can know the truth. And so when we look at, again, my background, Mennonite background, there are many Mennonites who do not believe that you can have eternal life, that you can know that you are saved. Even my father would argue with me on that. You see, when you don't have an absolute authority, then you're in trouble. And that's why the Mennonites today are not where Menno Simons was when he was converted. The Mennonites today are a secular organization. The Mennonites have some culture. Some of their culture I enjoy. I like Vedenica, what we call pierogies. Cottage cheese pierogies are much better than potato pierogies, as far as I'm concerned, with a good cream gravy. That's Mennonite culture. So there are certain things that, uh, that I learned being raised in a Mennonite home that I like. But as far as the gospel is concerned, the Mennonites have nothing to offer anyone. Because they don't know the gospel. They have adopted the rock music of the world. They have adopted the immodesty of the world. They have jo- adopted the humanism of the world. They're into storytelling and entertainment, but they don't know the gospel. And they don't think it's important that you know the gospel. And that's a sad thing. But what caused them to change so much from where Menno Simons was as a Christian to where they are today? What happened? Well, what happened is that they did not take the Bible as their authority. There are a lot of Baptists today, even independent fundamental Baptists. We don't call ourselves fundamental Baptists because there are more than just the fundamentals that are important. But if we look at what's known as the independent fundamental Baptists today, there are many of them who are drifting away from the truth. And it starts in what we might call little things, which are not little at all. 
But there's one organization that, that uh, I want to mention tonight, and that's called BIMI, which is Baptist International Missions Incorporated. We know a little bit about that mission. And that organization, first of all, it's a parachurch organization, which means it's not a part of any local church. It's an organization that was developed outside of the parameters of a local church. So it has a board that comes from several different churches, and the people from those several different churches are the ones who make up that organization. That's unbiblical. So, first of all, no true Christian that wants to go out onto the mission field should be a part of BIMI. We, in our church, we screen people. If they want to come and speak here, I ask them if they think they're called to go into some foreign field. I say, who are you going out under? And if they tell me they're going out under some mission organization that's not part of a local church, I don't want them here because they're not going out under the right authority. The word of God is our authority. And when we want to serve God, we need to serve him under biblical authority. And so BIMI doesn't concern itself if a missionary goes out into a foreign field and doesn't use the King James Bible as their authority. They can use a perversion if they want to. Now, I realize not everybody speaks English, but if the missionary doesn't know the language of the people, what's he going to study out of? He's going to study out of his English Bible. And then he's going to try to have a translator bring it into the language of the people. But if he's studying from a corruption, what kind of a message is he going to give to the people? So you've got a problem. So when we don't accept the Bible as our authority, you notice in this text that we read in verse 28, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Why were they astonished? Well, what does it say? For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus taught the people with authority. Why did he do that? Because he is the Word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What did Jesus teach his disciples to teach from when he prepared them to preach the Word of God? In the book of Acts, the epistles, they're the Word of God. The Old Testament, the prophets often said, Thus saith the Lord. The word of God is important. We need an authority. You see, when you use the word of God as you ought to if you're saved, you're going to find that it's going to be effective. Does that mean that everybody that listens to you is going to get saved? No. More people are going to be offended by you than those that get saved. Let me say that again. More people are going to be offended if you use the word of God than those that are going to get saved. That's something that we need to understand. That's what we see in the Bible. 
because the devil is behind those who are lost. And the devil does not want people to be saved. And he is grooming his followers to hate God and to hate the word of God. And so don't be surprised if you testify to someone and they speak rudely to you or they scoff at you or they laugh at you or they want to twist what you say or whatever. Don't be surprised. That's the nature of lost people. But we need to speak as someone who has authority. And that's why it's important to memorize God's word so that you have something that you can say to people when they ask you a question. And it is important to give them the word of God. Don't just give them your opinions. You need to give them the word of God. That's what's important. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When you use the word of God, it will speak to that person even as he laughs at you, even as he swears at you, even as he scoffs at you. When you use the word of God, that word is going to be speaking to him long after he's left you. Because he has to go to bed at night. He's going to lay his head upon his pillow at night. And God, because of his grace and his mercy, he's going to help that person to remember the things that are important. Even as he tries to forget them with his rock music and his drunkenness and his drugs and whatever else, God is gracious and he wants people to be saved. The Bible says in... Romans chapter 1, that everyone will be without excuse. No one will be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. Because God is gracious and he reminds people of the truth. And so for those of us that are saved, we need to speak with authority. We need to speak from the word of God. We need to tell people the truth. We need to help them to see that even though they're not interested, we need to help them to see that the word of God is truth. If they want to reject it, that's their choice. They can do that. But we need to give them the truth. That's what's important. Give people the truth. I'm sure that Those that are listening to me today that are parents or grandparents, I'm sure that when your children, oftentimes grandparents, they tend to spoil their grandchildren more than they did their own children. But I'm sure when your children were young, you didn't put Pepsi and potato chips in front of them for breakfast and dinner and supper. I'm sure you gave them something better than that. Maybe they would say to you, I want some Pepsi, And I want some potato chips. They might have said that to you. But if you're a wise parent, you would say, no, that's not what we're going to eat. We're going to have some meat. We're going to have some potatoes, some vegetables. Now in the summertime, there's cucumbers in the garden. There's tomatoes and sweet corn, different things. You try to put something in front of your children that can help them to grow, help them to be strong and healthy. You might give them chips sometimes as a treat, But you don't, that's not their diet. And the same thing is true for those of us that are saved. 
If we're going to be growing in the Lord, we're going to be growing because we are focusing in on the Word of God. That's what we major on. We don't major on stories. We don't major on fiction. We major on the Word of God. That's why the local church is so important, that we can come together to study the Word of God, that we can also read the Bible in our own homes. We can discuss Bible passages with other born-again faithful Christians, and that's how we grow. When we spend time in the Word of God and allow Him to direct our thoughts and allow Him to show us what is important. And as we look at church history, we find that every church that has fallen has fallen because they neglected the authority of the Word of God. They started to put man's opinions in the place of truth. And when you put your own opinions in the place of truth, you have a problem. Because our opinions are fallible. That's why I talked about Mano Simons. Mano Simons, I'm sure he had opinions of his own. But he encouraged his followers. He encouraged them to continue to study the Bible. When he was near the end of his life, he encouraged his followers to continue to study the Bible. Continue to build on the truth. And that's so important for each one that is saved. Build upon the truth. Ask people questions, but make sure that as they answer you, they're answering you from the Bible. Not from opinions, but from the Bible. And when you get an answer from the Bible, you can build on that. That's how you build a solid house. When you have the right foundation and you build carefully upon that foundation. That's how you build for success. As a Christian, each one of us needs to build for success. We want to be effective in our witness. We want to try to help people. We understand that not everybody we talk to is going to right away pray and be saved. But we want that. That's what, we are, that's what our goal is with everybody that we talk to. Is we want them to come to the place where they will understand their need to be saved. And unless you are faithful in your own walk with God, and then as you talk to people that you either give them a tract or give them a Bible verse, give them something to think about. Tomorrow we are going to the funeral of my brother-in-law. And uh, I have prepared a tract for that that I want to give to everybody that comes to that funeral. I don't know how many people there's going to be. I printed up 50 of those tracts. And so I'm hoping that each one will take that and not throw it. I'm going to tell them that when I give it to them. Don't throw this away. Take the time to read it. It's not very long. Take the time to read it. Because you need to consider the truth. You need to consider it. Even if you have not in the past considered, you need to consider it. And that's so important to have something to leave with that person, either by quoting a verse or giving them a tract so that they have something that they can look at later on, even if they're not really listening to you when you're talking to them. Give them something to look at later on, to think about, and encourage them not to throw it away. Take the time to read it. And then if you have questions, that's why we put our 
phone number on everything that we give out because people need to be able to ask questions. Who are they going to ask? I don't want someone that I'm talking to, I don't want them to go to the Catholic priest and ask him to explain the gospel to him because they're not going to get the right answer. So that's why I put our information on there because I want them to be able to get the right answer to the questions that they have. So that's important that we help people to know the truth and to be able to walk in the truth so that they can have God's peace in their hearts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have this opportunity to study thy word. Thankful for the opportunity we have of considering how can we build our lives so that we don't end up as so many religious groups have in the past and so many people have, where they seem to start out strong, but they end up floundering and many of them, you'd never know that they ever once even believed in God. So I pray for each one that's listening today. Thou knowest the heart of each one. There may well be some that are listening to me today that are not saved. They're not even pretending to be saved. They're not interested in salvation right now. I pray, Father, that they would wake up and see the foolishness of continuing to build their lives upon sand. They need to start building on the truth. They need to get saved and then start building their lives upon the truth. I pray for those that are saved. There could well be some that are saved that don't have a good church in their area. I pray for them that they would see the importance of building on truth. Thankful that they joined us tonight to listen to the truth. And I pray that as they listen to the truth that they would know that if they're saved, that through thy Holy Spirit, thy will for them would be to join a true local church so that they can enjoy that fellowship that comes from being a part of a local church, that they can be strong and they can help others to know the truth as well. So we thank thee for the opportunity we have of gathering together here and the opportunity we have of broadcasting abroad. And may thy will be done through the study of thy word in the heart and life of each one that is listening today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.